Amen. All yours, preacher. Okay. Got it. Good evening to you. It's evening. joy to be back with you, and thanks for being here tonight. Thanks for coming back. Not everyone that hears me preach comes back to hear me again, so that, that's a blessing. You've already made my day. You've already been in a blessing and encouragement to me, so thank you so much. Uh, welcome back to our second night of our Missions Revival. Hope you had a blessed day. Um, boy, this is a good crowd for a, a, a Thursday night, so thanks so much for being here. I had a great day. I started out, I was telling preacher, I started out with a, a phone interview with a pastor uh, for a radio broadcast. And so I called just at the right time, and we talked. This is how it went, okay? And this shouldn't surprise you if you know me. We talked for 15 minutes, and I thought we were on online. I thought we were on the air for 15 minutes. And he goes, after 15 minutes, he said, all right, Brother Fennel, are you ready for the interview? We're going to go online here in just a moment. I was thinking, for 15 minutes, I've been all nice and cheerful. I wasted, I wasted happiness for 15 minutes in the morning. <laughs> And uh, it kind of went like this, you know, he started out, hey, Brother Bill, how you doing? I was like, hey, I'm doing really well. How are you, sir? 15 minutes I talked that way and we weren't even recording. So there you go. That's me. But anyway, uh, it was a good day. Got a lot done and uh, caught up on some email and some uh, sermon preparation and all of that. And so it's been, a, it's been a good day. Thank you, Pastor, again for the kind invitation. Uh, thank you for the, the wonderful time of food and fellowship. Thank you, church family, for all that you've done to take such wonderful care of uh, us. It's been a blessing already uh, to be here. And so we really do appreciate it. Uh, Brother Williams, thank you so much for your testimony, yes, your, faithful, uh, your faithful testimony. And, and it's exciting to see Amen. how the Lord is using you and your family uh, there at Harvest and uh, excited to hear um, the continuation Amen. and the future to see how God has continued, will continue to bless you and your, your ministry. And so praise the Lord for that. Uh, just a couple things tonight. First of all, the sermon we're preaching tonight is brand new. So I want to apologize in advance. You're guinea pigs. And uh, I'm in pastor <laughs> mode. I'm in pastor mode because when you're a pastor and you're yes, cranking out four sermons a week, Absolutely. you don't have the privilege unless you're brilliant. And I am not to memorize those sermons, you know, word for word. And so you're preaching from notes, and I'll be doing a little bit of that tonight. So thank you for your patience in advance, and thank you for allowing me to practice on you. Uh, my main goal is that the truth of God's word is communicated Amen. tonight. Yes, That's sir. my main prayer, Amen. and uh, I trust that that will happen. And the other thing I want you to know, as you find the book of Philippians tonight, is that we're going to be speaking about giving. Now, don't, don't run out, please. Don't throw a hymn book at me. Uh, don't, don't walk out. If you walk out now, you'll just hurt my feelings. So don't do that. Um, we're going to talk about giving, but let me say this about that. It's impossible to discuss missions without right. discussing giving, yeah. right? It just is impossible for God. So loved the world that he what gave. he gave. Aren't you thankful that God gave his son, uh, for the sins, uh, for your sins. And uh, aren't you thankful that Jesus was willing to give his life for our salvation. Amen. By the way, aren't you thankful that someone gave you the good news of the gospel Amen. at one point in your life? And so it's impossible to discuss missions without discussing giving, or at least uh, it's impossible to do so without being selfish, right? And so, uh, but the other thing is, it's impossible to accomplish missions without giving. That's right. Um, uh, some of you know this song, and I will not sing it for you because I just like you way too much and I won't sing for you, but Oh Zion Haste, 
There's a line in Ozion Haste that says this, Give of your sons to share the message glorious. Give of thy wealth to speed them on their way. If you and I are going to give of our sons in the United States of America, if we're going to give of our children to, to, to spread the, the, the message glorious, we better be willing to give of our wealth to speed them on their way. Uh, I think you would agree with me if you have a child that becomes a missionary, uh, I have a feeling that we would be giving the most that we possibly could uh, to them on the mission field. And, uh, and we, we have a missionary here. We have someone's son here uh, tonight that is ready to spread the, the message glorious there in the Philippines. And we better give of our wealth to speed them on their way. And so I praise the Lord for those that are willing to take the gospel all over the world, uh, to be church planning missionaries to the uttermost parts of the world. And so we want to talk about uh, giving uh, tonight and uh, I promise it won't be too painful, okay? Just a few days before Christmas, a postal worker at the post office found an unstamped, handwritten, messy envelope addressed to God. Curious, there was no address on it, obviously. He opened it and discovered that it was from an elderly woman who was in great distress because all of her savings, $200, had been stolen. As a result, she, would have, she wouldn't have anything to eat for Christmas and during the Christmas holiday. The man went to his fellow postal workers and they took up a collection for that needy woman. They all dug deep and, and chipped in and came up with $180, putting the money in a plain envelope with no note or anything. The postal workers sent it by special courier to the woman that very day. <laughs> A week later, the same postal worker noticed another unstamped letter that had been addressed to God in the same messy handwriting. In it, he found a brief note. Dear God, thank you for the $180 that you sent me for Christmas, which would have been so very bleak otherwise. P.S. It was $20 short. Okay. Um, it, goes, it goes on. I'm not done. P.S. It was $20 short. But that was probably those thieving workers at the post office. <laughs> That's some thank you note, isn't it? That's some thank you note. Quite the thank you note. Well, in our text tonight in Philippians chapter 4, we're going to see a thank you note from the Apostle Paul. Now, what is the Apostle Paul thankful for? Well, he's thankful for missionary support. And this text, I believe, is very applicable to you, Lighthouse Baptist Church, as you conduct your missions revival. If it were possible tonight, think about this for just a moment, use your imagination. If it were possible to bring every missionary that the Lighthouse Baptist Church has ever supported, past and present, and bring them here tonight and, and, and put them up here on the platform, maybe, I don't know how many that would be, uh, maybe some of you would know, but maybe it would take up some of the platform. Maybe others would have to stand up here. Maybe it would go down the aisle. I don't know. Maybe some would have to stand in the, in the hallway. And you could bring in every missionary that you've had the privilege of supporting all down through the years that Lighthouse Baptist has been in existence. And on a banner up here behind them, there would be a dollar amount of the entire amount of missions giving that you as a church family have given all through the years, 
from the very first dollar given to missions to the very last missionary check that was sent probably just a few weeks ago. I don't know. And you gave each and every one of those missionaries an opportunity to say something from behind this sacred desk. I guarantee you, and I know that you would agree with me, each and every one would simply say what? Thank you. They would say thank you. They would say thank you for giving. Thank you for sacrificing. Thank you for your labor of love. Thank you. From the bottom of their hearts, they would say thank you. For just a few minutes tonight, let's let's look at Paul's thank you letter to the church at Philippi. Notice with me Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 10. The Bible says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful but ye lacked opportunity. In other words, that word careful means full of care. It's the same word that we see in verse number six, be careful for nothing. In other words, don't worry. The church at Philippi obviously was concerned about the apostle Paul. They worried about him. And for some odd reason, they had not had the opportunity to give to him. Maybe they didn't know where he was. Maybe the persecution was so great and they couldn't get a a monetary gift to him. But for whatever the reason, they didn't have the opportunity, but now they did. And what does Paul say in verse number 10? I rejoice in the Lord greatly for their care. Now notice with me verse number 14. We're going to skip to verse 14. Notwithstanding... Ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. That, that word communicate is the idea of partnering right. with and, and coming alongside of. And he says, you, uh, in verse 14, notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia... No church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full. Why is he full? He tells us, having received of Epaphroditus. Obviously, Epaphroditus was from the church at Philippi. I've received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice with me again, the very first part of verse 14, notwithstanding, ye have well done. For just a few minutes this evening, let's look at this truth from this text. Well done, a thank you note for missionary support. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being in your house tonight. Uh, Father, we have already been blessed by being here. Thank you for the fellowship Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for the testimony uh, that we have heard tonight. Thank you for the music uh, that has been such a blessing, not only the special this evening, but also the congregational music. We thank you for all of the work and the labor and the effort that has gone into uh, this group of meetings. 
And we pray a special blessing upon Pastor and the church family here, Lord, as they've done so much. And we're so thankful for them. Father, we pause tonight just to pray for Israel. I know that this church and many in this church are praying for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the peace of Israel. We pray for the peacekeepers of Israel. And Lord, it is our prayer that Israel will turn to the Prince of Peace. And Father, trust Christ as Lord and Savior. Bless our time together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, Paul is in prison. Just to set a context here tonight, Paul's in prison in Rome. Uh, He's isolated. Uh, There's no contact with a whole lot of of other believers. And not only is he isolated, he's confined. In other words, he's not able to go out and, and do what? Publicly preach the word of God as he has done in other places. And not only that, he's awaiting trial. As you know from the book of Acts, he has appealed right to Caesar. And so now he awaits his fate. And what's very interesting about all this is is something that many of you know, and that is in the middle of, of this imprisonment, Paul writes many letters to many churches. And one of those is to the church of Philippi. And this, uh, this letter to the church at Philippi has a very interesting theme. It has a very interesting theme, doesn't it? And that yes, is the theme of joy. Yes, sir. Now, you wouldn't think that that would be the theme, right? But that is his theme. And it shouldn't surprise us. I mean, this is the guy that sang at midnight when he was in the Philippian jail, right? In Acts chapter 16. So that shouldn't surprise us. And sprinkled throughout this letter to the church at Philippi are many reasons why Paul has uh, to be rejoicing and to be joyful. And just by a quick way of introduction, I'll give you some of those reasons. I'll give you uh, uh, three. And then the fourth one really is a is a springboard into what we're talking about this evening. First of all, uh, he could rejoice in God's providence. In God's providence. Truly, all things work together for good to them that love God. And in chapter 1, we see God's providence. In chapter 1, Paul is talking about those that are taking advantage of the fact that he is in prison. And they're preaching, and it says in chapter 1, they're preaching out of envy and strife. Yes, sir. And why are they doing that? Supposing to add affliction to my bonds, verse 16. But then what does Paul say? He says that there are others that are preaching out of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And this is what he says in verse 18. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. Amen. Amen? Amen. And what does he say about that? Christ is preached and I therein do Rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So Paul uh, could uh, rejoice in the providence of God, that God doeth all things well, that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that we are uh, on this earth going a thousand miles an hour and God is at the helm. God is at the steering wheel. God is in charge. God is in control. That's how Paul can say that all things work together for good. And he demonstrates that in this text. So he could rejoice in God's providence. Not only that, he could rejoice in God's power. Even while he's in prison. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. People are getting saved. Look at chapter 4 and verse 22. All the saints salute you. 
chiefly they that are at, uh, of Caesar's household. Now, wait a second. How in the world did someone get saved in Caesar's household? Well, as you know, Paul was most likely chained 24 hours a day to a, a guard, a Roman soldier. And what do you suppose the Apostle Paul did all day, right. every day, while he's chained to a Roman soldier? He's witnessing to him. He, he's telling them of Jesus Christ. He's telling them of the gospel. And evidently, some of those soldiers got saved and took the gospel of Jesus Christ right into Caesar's household. Now, I'm pretty sure that if the Apostle Paul, though he wanted to go to Rome as a preacher, he went as a prisoner. I don't think if he went as a preacher, he would have been able to go up to Caesar's household, knock on the door and say, can I talk to Caesar? I want to witness to him. But through this prison imprisonment, the gospel was able to get into uh, Caesar's household. And so we praise. He could rejoice in God's providence. He could rejoice in God's power. He could rejoice, number three, in God's promises. It's very possible that he knew that his faith would soon become sight. And that blessed hope brought the Apostle Paul great confidence. The Apostle Paul said, because of this this great confidence and this blessed hope, he said in chapter 1, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. This is the same Apostle Paul that said in chapter 1, for me to live is Christ. And to die, to die is what? Gain. Gain. To die is gain. This is the Apostle Paul that said in chapter 1, I'm in a strait betwixt two, mm-hmm. having a desire to depart, which is far better, nevertheless, to abide with you is, you know, is, more, is beneficial for you. It's uh, needful for you, is what he said. And so the Apostle Paul could rejoice in God's promise. And then lastly, and this is where we get our, our text tonight, the Apostle Paul could rejoice in God's people. Amen. He could rejoice in God's people. Amen. We won't take the time, but you could go back to Acts chapter 16 where the church of Philippi was started. And who was a part of that church? Lydia was a part of that church. The Philippian jailer and, and his wife and family, uh, all the little inmates, right? They were all part of, of, of the church. And Epaphroditus was a part of the church, obviously. And, and I really believe that the damsel that was demon-possessed I believe she got saved and and she was a part of this church. And these are the people that the Apostle Paul is writing to and no doubt many others. The church in Philippi have encouraged him by showing love and care and sacrifice. How? By monetary support. By support. Notice again verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. That word flourish has the idea of a, of a flower blooming. Yes, sir. And so Paul is saying under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, because you've generously taken care of me through missionary support, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Wherein you were also careful or you cared for me. You worried about me. You were concerned about me, but you lacked opportunity. Paul says, even though for a time you did not have the opportunity to give to me, you have now and I have received the gift from Epaphroditus and I rejoice greatly in your gift. And as a result, Paul says, ye have done well. Ye have done well. Verse 14. I know we read it. A moment ago, but look at verse 15 again. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, that's, I believe, uh, a reference to when Paul was first in Philippi in, in Acts yes, chapter sir. 16. Yes, sir. Absolutely. 
When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again or many times unto my necessity. And if you were to take the time to study 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, we believe that the, the church uh, there uh, sent support again to Paul. So he did it, oh, they, they did it over and over again. And so Paul says, you have done well for partnering with me in monetary support. You have done well for sacrificially partnering with me for monetary support. Here's the question tonight, and we get to our outline. And thank you for your patience with a lengthy introduction. Here's the question. Why do we do well for supporting missionaries? Why do we do well for supporting Missions. Why do we do well for getting the gospel to the uttermost parts of the world through our missions giving? What are the blessings that come with giving to missions? I find three. It's a very simple outline. Three very simple truths that jump, in my opinion, jump off the page of Scripture and hopefully go from our head to our heart. Amen. And so let's look at them just very quickly tonight. Point number one. Why is it that we do well for supporting missions? Number one, we become a partner. Yes, sir. We become a partner with that missionary. Why do we do well for supporting missionaries? We partner with them in ministry. Verse 14, notwithstanding, you have done well that you did communicate. Again, the word communicate means to come alongside of, to partner with. You did communicate with my affliction. Now, how did they do that? They weren't there physically. How did they do that? By giving monetarily. As Paul would share the gospel and see converts, the fruit was accrued to their account. That is an amazing principle. That's an amazing thing to comprehend and to think about. That as Paul witnessed and saw converts, that that was fruit accrued to their account because they were partners with Paul in ministry. We mentioned it last night. Acts chapter one and verse eight says that we are witnesses both in our Jerusalem and the uttermost parts of the world. It does not say either or. We do not have a choice. We are all responsible for the uttermost. None of us are exempt from the uttermost. And so if we have not been called to go, we have been called to give so that others can go. And these are key words on our behalf. We are partners with them. Yes, sir. They go on our behalf. Sometimes we have this mentality, and and I was a pastor 15 years, and I know that, um, God forgive me, but uh, we would sometimes have this mentality. You know, these missionaries that come in for a missions conference or these missionaries that just stop stop in and um, we're going to give them a love offering and let them give a testimony or give them, you know, fill up their tank with gas. And we would do that at Mount Vernon Baptist. And sometimes we had this mentality, you know, uh, uh, we're a we're a blessing. These these missionaries should be thankful for us. No, no, no. My friend, listen, we need to be thankful for them. Amen. Because they are going on our behalf. Exactly. We should be thankful for them. And I know that you are. I know that you are. Um, verse 17. Paul says, not because I desire a gift. And by the way, we, we purposely uh, didn't, we didn't skip it on, on purpose in that we don't want to talk about it or we're afraid to talk about it. But verses 11 through 13 are kind of, of like a parenthesis. 
where Paul goes into a little dissertation on his contentment. And uh, we would all do well to study that on our own. For covetousness is something uh, that Americans often deal with. And so we should, we should learn to be content. And so um, notice, though, in, uh, in verse number 17, he says, Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Jesus preached a sermon. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount where he commanded his disciples, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. And in verse number 20, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And as we discussed last night, I don't suppose that there's any of us exempt from the temptation to be distracted from laying up treasure in heaven. Yes, sir. Truly, the earthly and the temporal distracts from the eternal. And uh, we won't re-preach that sermon from last night. One way, and you know this, one way that we can lay up treasure in heaven is to give to our local Independent Baptist Church's missions program. Yes, sir. Why? Because when we give to our missions programs, missionaries take the gospel of Jesus Christ on our behalf. When we give to missions, it's where the story of Jesus can be proclaimed on our behalf, where the good news of the gospel can be shared on our behalf, where the light of life can be shined in dark places on our behalf. It's as if you bring in a missionary that you support and that missionary stands and gives a report and says, we were able to start these three churches and we were able to start this orphanage and we were able to start this camp ministry and this vacation Bible school ministry and we were able to get into the, the, the schools and the public school system and they share with you all of that. It's almost, and bear with me, it's almost as if you can go up to them, put your arm around them and say, by God's grace, look what Amen. we have been able to do. Amen. Why? Because they go on our behalf. That's and right. we are partners with them. Paul said to the church, you have done well in partnering with me and there will be fruit that abounds to your account. I read a story recently about some missionaries to Cambodia who told about a man named Yang and his conversion. They ministered to Yang's son. His son became a Christian and his son was the only one in the family that was saved. They kept witnessing to Yang and Yang wouldn't get saved. He kept rejecting the gospel. Well, Yang became blind and went to the missionary. And the missionary suggested, you need to go to this village where there's a medical missions team. They can help you. And he did. He went to this medical missions team. They gave him the gospel. He didn't didn't receive it. But they gave him some medicine and he was able to see again. Because he was very grateful and thankful that he was able to see, he took his son's Bible and he read it and he got saved. Hallelujah. And the, and the point of these missionaries to Cambodia, here was their point. Their point was this. It took a team effort. Yes, sir. It took the missionaries on the field. It took the medical missions team. It took the Bible translators that were there years before who were, who were used to translate a Bible for that people group. And it's a team effort. But I would like to add something. To that story. I appreciate what those missionaries wrote about this gentleman named Yang who got saved because of a team effort. But can I say this? There was also all of the churches. 
Yes, sir. That God used to send out the missionaries, to send out the medical missions team, to send out years before the Bible translators. It truly is a team effort. And when we give to missions, the Bible says that we become a partner with them. Not only that, but number two, not only do we become a partner, but number two, we receive a promise. We receive a promise. Look at verse 18. Paul says, but I have all. In other words, I've received all that you've sent and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, we must stop here and just say this about that. The context of a very familiar portion of scripture, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. This is a very familiar portion of scripture, but we must look at it in its context. The context is clearly regarding their sacrificial giving to the missionary, the apostle Paul, while he's in prison. I like what one preacher wrote. He said, though the generic promise of provision undoubtedly is there. And by the way, the Bible says that God knows what our needs are before we even ask. So absolutely, God takes care of us. Though the generic promise of provision undoubtedly is there, the specific promise is in the context of their aforementioned what? Giving from the riches of heaven. Because of their giving from the riches of heaven, God has promised to meet the needs of his people. The point is this. We have no point taking this powerful promise out of context. We have no business doing that. The promise that God would supply their need was, now listen, was only after they provided Paul's needs as a missionary. That's right. So we must not take that out of context. Here's a personal illustration. Forgive me for using a personal illustration. I know for, for my one illustration, there are dozens of those here in this church. So I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. I just want to use this as an illustration. When my wife, Amy, and I were first married, uh, we were saving up for a house. We had a couple, um, uh, a couple boys. They weren't even walking at the time. They're crawling around on the floor. We need a house. Uh, we, we started off living uh, with my in-laws, Enough to say about that. We'll just, uh, you obviously can see we needed a house. And, uh, and so we had, we had uh, $5,000 saved up in an account. And uh, a mutual friend that Brother Genesis and I have, Brother Robert Matamis, one of my best friends there in the Philippines, he came to our church. I didn't know him until this time. And he came to, to our church and he, he, he presented a need. And the Lord impressed upon my wife and myself to give that money that we had in savings to Brother Matamis. And, and so we did. And, and that, here's the long story of it. And it's a long story. I'll make it short. But, but here's, here's the short and long of it, long and short of it. Um, through a, a giver that didn't know what we had done, someone gave to my wife and I the amount that would help us do three things. Put a down payment on a house. Amen. Um, pay for the closing costs of our house. And there was enough left over to do some, some work that needed to be done around the house that we were going to we were gonna purchase. Amen. God took that $5,000 and tripled it. And I'll tell you, I'll never forget uh, more uh, than, than all the emotions that we went through during that time. More than all of that, God uh, reminded us 
uh, of this truth. When we do what he tells us to do, he will always take care of us and he will Amen. always bless Amen. us for my God shall supply all our needs and, and, and my God shall supply all your needs. But listen, don't take it out of context right. after we meet the yes, needs sir. of others Good. that Important. we are made uh, aware of. Amen. When we give to missions, we do well. Why? Because we become a partner. Number one. Number two, we receive a promise. And I know this all over the sanctuary. We could have testimony after testimony after testimony. You could stand and give the same testimony that that my wife and I did. And so we receive a promise. And then lastly, and and most importantly, we please the Lord. We please the Lord. Verse number 18. But I have all and abound. I am full having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. That's good. Paul gives That's a good. temple. He gives a temple analogy. When the incense offering was made in the temple, it produced a pleasant aroma, a sweet aroma. It was pleasant uh, and sweet to those present there in the temple, but even more importantly, it was a pleasant aroma to who? To whom? To the Lord, to God, yes, sir. to our Father. The Philippians church, church's offering to Paul served the same purpose. And, and church family, why would we think that Lighthouse Baptist Church would be any different than, right. First, than First Baptist Church of Philippi? Why That's would right. we think exactly. that we would be any different? When we give sacrificially to the Lord and specifically missions, it also brings a sweet-smelling savor to the Lord. And so Paul used this temple analogy. It pleased Paul, but more importantly, it pleased the Lord. Very quickly, as, as we wrap this up and, and, and uh, begin to close and circle the runway, as the old preacher said, um, let, let me ask you this. Uh, what pleases God? I, I know you know the answer to this, but just think about this. What pleases God? We know obedience pleases God, Right. right? Uh, to obey is better than sacrifice, right? So obedience always pleases God. Faith pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible right. to please Him. Giving pleases God. We're never more like Jesus than when we're giving. And magnifying Christ, yes, sir. Magna- it pleases God. Um, he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye Him. In other words, in other words what father is there that doesn't like someone you know, talking good about their children, yeah, right? right? And so think about this. Obedience pleases God. Faith pleases God. Uh, magnifying Christ and drawing attention to Jesus pleases God. And giving pleases God. You accomplish all four of those yes, sir. when we give to missions. Because we're obeying the Great Commission. That pleases God, right? We're doing so in faith. It is a step of faith. There's no question. You take money, hard-earned money that you could use on a thousand other things, and you sacrifice and give it for the gospel going around in the world. Folks, that's a step of faith. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So obeying the Great Commission pleases God. And our our act of faith pleases God. And and drawing attention to Jesus pleases God. And that's what missionaries do all over the world. And giving pleases God. Love it. All of that takes place when we give 
to missionaries. Paul says your monetary gift, your sacrifice was an aroma of a sweet smell, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. Paul says you have done well for sacrificially partnering with me in monetary support. And because of it, you've become a partner with me. Not only have you become a partner with me, you've received an amazing, powerful promise. But my God shall shall supply all your needs. And most importantly, you have pleased God with your obedience and your faith and, and your evangelistic outreach and your gift and your sacrifice. It is a, a sweet smelling uh, savor to the Lord. Um, verse 14 in closing, notwithstanding, ye have well done. Paul says you've done well. Paul says well done in partnering with me in ministry. And uh, if we could have missionaries here tonight that you've supported down through the years, you know what they would say? They would say, thank you. You've, you've done well. Well done. Can I say this? Converts who have accepted Christ because of your missionaries, they say, well done. That's good. And one day they'll thank you. Amen. You may not ever meet them on this side of heaven. Amen. But they say, thank you. They say, well done. Lighthouse Baptist Church. But most importantly, don't you agree with me? We all want to hear well done from our Heavenly Father. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And really, that's what it's all about. It's not about the missionary's glory. It's not about the church's glory. It's all about God's glory. And and look at verse 20. How, How appropriate to end this thank you note. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever Amen. God's glory is what it's all about. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about Paul. It's not about the church of Philippi. It's all about God's glory. And one day, one day, according to Revelation chapter 5 and Revelation chapter 7, standing around the throne room of God for all eternity, it's going to be a representation of every people and tribe and kindred and language and tongue. And what will we all be doing for all eternity? Praising the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, forever and ever and ever. Lighthouse Baptist Church, well done for your missions program. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we have just a simple invitation. But I want to say this. I don't know the amount. I don't know all that Lighthouse Baptist Church has done and, and really what has been given through the years, I don't know what the total is, but can I just say, on behalf of every missionary you've ever supported, past, present, and future, thank you. Thank you for being used of God to see the gospel go to the dark places of the world. Thank you. Thank you. My invitation is very simple. You're here uh, this, this evening, and you give to missions. You, you make it a habit. Above tithes and offerings, you give for the gospel going around the world. Would you just simply pray and ask God what he would have you to do in this upcoming year as God has given you another year? We praise the Lord for what has been done. To God be the glory, great things he hath done. I know that you would say that, but God has given you another year. So tonight, if you are actively given to missions, Would you just simply pray, whether it's here at the front or right there 
uh, at your seat. However, the Lord would so lead, I invite you to come after our prayer. And then you're here tonight and, and you're not giving to missions. I encourage you to do so. Partner with these missionaries through your missions program. God offers a tremendous, powerful promise if you do. And most importantly, you please God through your obedience and through your faith and through your sacrifice, through your evangelistic outreach. I encourage you to get, to get involved in your missions program here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. Father, we love you. Thank you for the privilege of studying your word tonight. Thank you for these dear folks. Father, Lighthouse Baptist Church and this church family, they are such a joy and a blessing uh, to be around. I thank you for their sweet spirit. And uh, Father, I thank you for their love for you and your word. I pray, Lord, uh, as you have given Lighthouse Baptist another year um, for missions, that you would bless their missions program, that every member, every attender would be actively involved in giving to the gospel going around the world, that even the youth, even the children of this church would give uh, to the missions program. I reminded of my wife as a little girl promising to give 25 cents a week to missions. Uh, Lord, you want to use all of us. And so I pray uh, that you will bless and uh, speak to hearts tonight. And Father, may we all long and endeavor to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stand as the music begins to play? We open the invitation, however the Lord is leading. Maybe God has laid upon your heart an unsaved name. Maybe it's a neighbor, a friend, a loved one, a co-worker, and you want to just come and pray uh, over their, uh, their soul. You want to pray for them. I encourage you to do so. As the music is playing, you can come and do so. Maybe you want to come and pray over uh, how God would use you in the upcoming year for missions. I encourage you to do so. However the Lord is leading, we invite you to come. The invitation, as you know, is that time in the service where we act on the Word of God as it's been presented. And so, however the Lord is leading, we invite you to come as the music plays.